you have a Bible, I'm going to read from Romans, the fourth chapter, and uh, share a little bit about the resurrection. And in praying, uh, I do believe this. I do believe God deals with people. He makes himself known to humanity. You know, there is a group of people out there that will say, well, how do you know God is alive? Well, I personally know him. I personally had an encounter with him years ago where I gave my life to the Lord. And ever since then, he has dealt with me inwardly. Not an audible voice. The Bible became a different book to me. You know, I remember trying to find the Lord, you know, because my life, I had everything the world said you needed. And uh, so I thought, that's it. I've obtained what they said, and I realized I was empty and there was something wrong. And I had heard about the Bible, so I would start reading the Bible, and I thought, this is whatever. And I thought, you know, I, I don't understand this, and I would just put it down. And then people would say, if you want to know God, you got to look in the Bible. And and I tried, and it didn't work. But once I had an encounter with God, the Bible became a different book to me. Nobody had to tell me, well, you just need to read the Bible. I had a craving, and what happened after was the Bible became a different book to me. And so here in Romans, the fourth chapter, this is a verse about really today and what we celebrate today. Now, some of you, maybe when you're walking down the hallway, you saw, you know, some kid uh, in a bunny suit. We didn't hire him. He just came to church like that. I'm sure there's some adults who probably thought, you mean we could address like that today? Independent contractor, we didn't hire him. He just came. But uh, the day is not about a bunny. But like I've said for years, we'll use whatever tool to bring people in. Amen. And um, I don't think God's going to condemn us for it. But at the same time, we're celebrating Jesus's death, but ultimately his resurrection. And a lot of times we hear these things, but what does it really mean? And if truth really sets you free, then we really need to put a standard of truth out there. And then there will be freedom. Romans, the fourth chapter and 25th verse says this, who was delivered up? Well, in other words, Jesus was put on the cross. He was delivered up, but here's why. For, uh, because of or for our offenses. In other words, our shortcomings, how we missed God's standard, how we've sinned. That's a word we don't want to use today in society, but it's real. That is the disconnect between God and man is sin. And the Bible said Jesus was offered up for our sins or on behalf of our sins, but he was raised because of our justification. Well, I'm a pretty simple person, um, and so I have to know words like that because I would think, what is justification? I heard years ago what the word justification meant. I've looked it up since then. It means just like you never sinned. 
So if you think of that when you hear the word justification, Jesus died for all of humanity's shortcomings, sins, and how they miss God, but he was raised up to make us like we had never sinned. That, if we could get a hold of that, would change our lives. And I've said this, that even as a Christian or somebody who has experienced new life in the Lord, we need to emphasize that point, we were justified or declared like we have not sinned. It didn't say you haven't sinned, because we all know you did. We know we all have. But he said his payment, the reason he died was to justify people or make them just like they had not sinned. And one thing that's important to know is the payment has already been made for humanity. They just need to know the truth. Are you with me? And without the truth, there can't be freedom. And there has to be an action in that truth. Now turn with me to John's Gospel. It's in the New Testament. And I'm going to read, and this is really where I wanted to get to this morning, and uh, look at a verse that Jesus talked about the resurrection. And he made some of the most profound statements. A lot of people say, well, you know, all the religions in the world, they're just about peace and walking in love toward one another. No, Jesus made some statements that um, either he was a nut, and he wasn't, or he really knew something and really was something, and uh, we need to look at these because he is the doorway into a new life and really eternal life. And we need to realize that, that these things are real, they're uh, facts, and uh, we, if we will heed these facts, our lives could be totally different. Jesus said here in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. What an interesting statement. At face value, that seems impossible. How can somebody die and yet live if they believe in him? Because how many of us have known somebody who believed in Jesus, they died, and we went to their funeral, and they were dead. And in, in enough time, every one of us are going to die if the Lord doesn't come back first. Some of us don't think that way, but it's true. But what is he saying? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That is an interesting thought. And then he went on to say, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's what he said. But do you believe this? Well, there's articles out there right now on the internet that they're talking about, you know, being able to, you know, have a new body and live on. 
on the earth forever. There's people trying to find what they would think is the fountain of youth. And Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? Well, boy, that would be pretty tough. Uh, then, uh, you mean, I get to just live forever? You know, I, I've believed in him. What we need to understand is this. There are two ways people live. People live in this physical world, but this physical world isn't the end. There's a spiritual world that people will live on in for eternity. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to escape. And people need to know that. And when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Basically, he's saying those who put their faith in Christ, because he is not only the one who rose from the dead, he is the one who is the resurrection or the one who raises people from the dead. You know, the greatest miracle, you know, that happens in the earth that many people don't know is, you know, if Jesus was on the earth, we would think, man, if I was walking with him and I got to see a guy's arm grow back out, that'd be cool. But, you know, when Jesus was on the earth, he raised people from the dead. But here's the thing. Jesus still raises people from the dead. But how does that happen? This resurrection is an internal resurrection that he does. He brings new life into people. That is a huge thing. That is the void of humanity. That's the search of every religion. To try and fill a void in humanity is, isn't there more to our existence? And Jesus was giving the solution right here. If you believe in me, you will get my life. You know, one of the, you know, names that's out there, you know, people look, you know, they look for cool names for their kids now. Back when I was around, it was like John, Fred, Ralph, Dexter, whatever. Now it's like, what, can you repeat that again? But one name that's out there is real popular is Zoe, you know, and uh, Zoe actually is a Greek word, and it's a Bible word. And actually, Zoe means this, and Jesus actually was the first one to use that word that we can see in the Bible. He said, I have come that people might have Zoe, or literally the quality and God kind of life in them. In other words, he wasn't teaching them about living a certain lifestyle, he was talking about getting life in them. And really, that is the big difference with Christianity and every other religion in the world is this, getting life in a human being that God has. And so, and it's not by works, it's not by effort. There is a simple step that a person does. And sometimes people think, well, do I have to work for this life? No, you can't. It's actually a free gift, and it's the very life of God. That's why it's so satisfying to human being. 
And so when he said here, I am the resurrection and the life, he who believes in me, though he may die, he'll live on. He won't live on here. He'll live on somewhere else. And then it goes on to say, and whoever lives and believes in me, he will never die. What does that mean? You can start experiencing this life that he offers right now. That's a huge statement. You can start having this new life now. And I'm the one up here preaching, so I can't use your story. I guess I could. But everybody probably has a story that's a Christian. For me, it was I had everything that people said you need. Somebody told me about Jesus. I didn't really want to hear it. But at the same time, I was thinking there's something missing in my life. And there was a void in my life. I needed to fill that void. And I kept trying to fill it with everything the world said you need. And it wasn't working. And I accepted Jesus. And I didn't realize when I accepted him, he would come and live in me and put his life in me and make me new. And what happened was this verse, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. All of a sudden I came alive. I came alive inwardly. God raised me internally so I could live for eternity, so I could live here with a purposeful type of existence, whereas before it was a self-destructive personal existence. I will say this to help anybody get out of trouble. If you're a believer and you feel like your life is just stuck, Start working toward doing eternal things. One, reach somebody. Get somebody else out of the mud. Get them out of the darkness. If you do that, you'll find yourself coming out too. It is a Bible principle. You can see it in the oldest book in the Bible, in the book of Job. Job had ended up in the mud. He had ended up in a pit. So to speak, his family had gotten destroyed, his children had gotten destroyed, his crops, his everything. His existence was a mess, and uh, his friends were uh, not the most helpful, and all he had left was God. And he said, uh, and some of them even said, curse God, you know. In other words, all this bad's happening in your life. But the turning point in Job's life really can be the turning point in any believer's life. He started living a purposeful existence of trying to help other people get up and know God. The first thing he started doing was he started praying and trying to help others. And you know, anybody who will do this type of thing in God's pattern will start to pull themselves out at the same time. Job's life began to turn right then. And, and here's the thing. Many times when people are in the middle of a hard time, uh, doing eternal things and eternal purposes are not always what we think we should be doing. 
to think I've got to fix everything. No, I will say this. If you start doing eternal things, you'll find that certain things will start to straighten out in your life. Jesus said it like this. If you'll put forth effort to pursue my kingdom, things that you've been seeking, the change you've been seeking in your life, he said, will come to you. It's, it's that way if you don't know the Lord. If you will go, okay, I, I don't know the Lord, and you're talking about somebody who does know the Lord, and, you, you wanna, and they want to come up out of something and really get living in something purposeful. But what about me if I don't know the Lord or I run into somebody who doesn't know the Lord? It's the same type of thing. It's you put Jesus first. Now, if I say that and you don't understand, you'll think, okay, I'll work. And really, that's not what it is. It's really making a commitment to him and saying, Jesus, I've lived my own life, done my own thing, and uh, I'm going to put you first. And what you said is I must receive you and make you the Lord of my life. When you do that, and, and it's super easy, and we'll even help people at the end of the service do that, what will happen is this verse will be fulfilled in your life. Though you live, you won't be living normal anymore. God will begin to work and move in you. And then when you do die, you'll live forever. And Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Meaning what will happen is, not only after you die, but when you're here on the earth, you will live in new life. That is a huge statement. What we need to know in, in celebrating the Lord's resurrection, everybody's in need of a Savior. We as believers should live a purposeful life. We should not wait for the lost to come, those who don't know the Lord to come. We should go get them. We should go reach them. We should go tell them. If they don't get told and we think, well, if we just pray about this enough, God will do something for them. No, the truth will be hidden and they won't be able to experience this new life. And so Jesus, right here, said, I'm the resurrection. Anybody who receives Jesus into their life gets a resurrection internally. Some people don't know what that means, but I can tell you by Scripture and personal experience, when Jesus comes to live in a person, he will affect every part of your being. I remember a friend of mine, after I gave my life to the Lord, I kept telling him, you need to give your life to the Lord. And uh, he, he liked to party and liked to do all this stuff, and he just, he just wouldn't do it, and he just wouldn't do it, and he just wouldn't do it. And I'd talk to him and tell him, this is what you need. And he thought what I was inviting him to experience was some new religious thing and a bunch of rules for his life. 
And I would tell them, no, that's not it. You don't understand. You just need to get Jesus in your heart. And uh, I so badly wanted to pray with him, and he just wouldn't do it. And one day he called me kind of like real short. He's like, where have you been? I'm thinking, what does it matter? He said, I've been trying to get a hold of you. And, and, and I'm thinking, okay, we're talking. He said, oh, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm thinking, I don't even know what happened. And he said, I was just walking through the house, and I turned on the TV, and it went to this Christian station, and he doesn't watch Christian stations. And he said, the preacher just said right then, you need Jesus. Just get down on your knees right where you are. And he went, oh, okay, I do. Well, we'd been talking for a while. He knelt down right there in front of his, you know, TV. How many people have made fun of that? He had. But he did it. And what happened was he just followed the prayer. And he said this, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And I'm thinking, yes, I will. I've been trying to tell you this. And he said, when I knelt down, I prayed that prayer. And he said, I did not even expect this to happen. He said, it felt like somebody came in me. And he said, it was so good and so joyous. He said, something changed. I, I had an encounter with God. He said, God lives in me now. And I'm like, cool. He's like, no. And I'm thinking, no, that's what I've been telling you. Stop it. You know, but, but he realized then, this is real. It's more than a religion. It's more than some experience that we want you to have, like get baptized in water. Baptism is great, but that doesn't save anybody. It, it, you know, being a member of the church, we, we want that. But that doesn't save people. Those are all right things in their right place. But that it, it, it comes down to one thing. Jesus said it like this in John 14. And he said, I am the way. There, there is no other way. I am the truth. There is no other truth. And he said, I am the life. Well, he said, I'm the resurrection. And what happened was, when that guy finally went down that path, he had been hearing about it, and hearing about it, and hearing about it, and he did it. The day he did that, life changed. Nobody said, oh, you have to start reading your Bible, you have to start doing this. There just came a change in him. And the change came not because of him. In other words, he didn't go, okay, now what ten things must I do? No, he changed internally. I'm going to read a, a couple of verses here before, before we finish. But in 2 Corinthians, uh, there are some scriptures here that talk about humanity and talk about Jesus and how when he rose from the dead, what he paid for, we saw... But why do people need this Savior? Notice this in 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, For the love of Christ compels us. In other words, it pushes us on. Because we judge like this, that if one died for all, then all are in a state of death. 
Now, you need to understand when the Bible talks about people being in a state of death, he's not talking about physical death. He, he, there is something about spiritual death. And what happens is, is people don't realize they, they can live their existence, they could have experienced religion and not experienced life. And, or you could say it like this, new life. And so he said, all died. All were dead. Verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live to themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's the story we're talking about today. He died for all, so he might give life to whoever would receive him, so that once they receive life, they'll have purpose, they won't have to live anymore for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. That is the biggest thing that humanity in the church needs to know. Will a person live with purpose just by their own strength, or will they live it through the life of God? And there is a simple way to get that life. Notice this in verse 17. So all are dead, but technically... Now, not all are dead. There are people who are sitting in this room and sitting in other churches and have maybe already been to church, you know, halfway around the world, and they've gone home, but they are not dead spiritually anymore. You know, it's interesting. There was a movie years ago called The Sixth Sense. Not, I'm not recommending people, but watch it. It's a bad movie. But one thing, if you remember the commercial, there was a commercial with this little kid and he laid in bed and he looked all scared and he said, I see dead people. Anybody remember that? I see dead people. Well, in all reality, are there dead people all over the place? Are they at Costco? This isn't like being bitter and go, they're dead. No, it means they don't have God's life in them. They, don't, they have not received what God has already paid for that would remove the weight of sin, the weight of guilt. And a side thought is if you're a Christian and you seem to be weighted down by guilt, you, you should declare about his payment for you. And it will help you immensely. But that being said, there is a sin disease, you could say, or a spiritual death disease throughout the world. And one of the greatest purposes for every believer is to reach people. And the greatest need of all humanity is to get the Lord in their life. It says this in verse 17, Therefore, if anybody comes into Christ, he becomes a new creation. He becomes a new creation. As we read this, you're going to start to realize this death, this life that he's talking about is not physical. He said this, 
you become a new creation when you get into Christ. And then he said, the old is passed away. And behold, new comes. Well, this is not like, you know, a new wardrobe. This is not a new look, you know, like if you're bald before, you're going to be bald after. If you got big ears, you know, and you're like, man, I've always been bugged by my ears. The answer is give your life to Jesus. Your ears will become normal. People are, how many people would go, okay, then I'll do that. No, it's not about your physical. And this is so huge. This is huge because he will make any individual new inside. And then he said they'll become a new creation. And their sins would be washed away. Their sins would be removed. Their sins would be gone. A new life would come. A new existence. And one thing I've learned over all these years is God will deal with people to give their life to Him, but they still have to do it. An individual has to surrender. And I wish I could tell you how great it is on the other side, but it's kind of like until you taste it for yourself, like that friend of mine, you'll never know it. But once you receive Him, and, and I'm not talking about getting baptized I'm not talking about any of those types of things. I'm talking about a simple thing of receiving him into your life. Then new life will come to you. This is what we share with other people. This should be one of the biggest purposes of all time. Why is that? Because eternity is very, very long. And therefore, we need to be strong in this area, knowing that, man, people will not last forever, meaning on this earth, but they will last forever beyond this earth. And so let me read this verse, and, and then we're going to probably close up. But Romans, the 10th chapter, this verse should be uh, every Christian's uh, verse that they would know. Because in this, it gives them the solution to help other people. Anybody who's wanting to know the Lord needs to know this verse. And there are several verses like this, but this is kind of one of those verses. Years ago, they used to say this to people that were Christians. They would teach people what they called the Roman road. And what they would do is there were four steps through this book of Romans that they would teach Christians to help people travel this road. And what it was is it helped people like you and I to be effective to reach a lost and dying world. And what they would do is they would teach people the Roman road. All have sinned and miss out on God's glory. And then you go through, and that's one verse there, and another verse is how Christ paid for it all. And as you go through the Roman road, those four verses, the final one is there is a gift from God. And then it tells you, you know, in this verse, how to receive that gift. Maybe we should get some, 
you don't see them anymore or hardly. There's things called a tract that believers used to carry and they would give them to people so people could use those like verses like the Roman road, those four verses, and anybody could come to know the Lord. And so here in Romans 10 is the final step on that road for anybody who wants to come to know the Lord. And this road needs to be traveled by everybody. I want everybody to travel this road. I don't want anybody to travel the wrong highway. Jesus said like this, said it like this, in this earth, and we can't see it, but he said there's a broad highway. Everybody's on it. Everybody's traveling this highway. It's not like the 60 freeway, but he said it's a broad highway. And he called that highway the path of life. And what's interesting, you know, if you uh, live in different areas in the United States anyway, they name highways. You know, like the Pacific Coast Highway, when I lived in Southern California, they, they name different highways, you know, uh, because they kind of tell you where they run and where they go. Well, Jesus told us there's a highway called the highway of life. Everybody is on it. Everybody is on this highway of life, whether you like it or not. If you woke up, you're on the highway to li of life. And it's a path that everybody's traveling. Everybody you work with, every neighbor, every school friend, wherever it is you run into people, they're all on this highway. And this highway will come to an end. And Jesus said this, it's a broad highway, everybody's on it, and he said there's only one way off of the highway of life to get on the right highway. He called that highway, he said it's called a narrow path or a narrow highway. And he said, only a few will take this narrow path or this narrow highway off this big, huge highway. And then he explained what this small highway is. And he said, this small highway is the only highway that leads to eternal life where you live with God forever. Jesus said this, not me. I'm just repeating him. He said, this narrow path that if you want to live with him forever, he said, and this is why we should know this, to help others to get on this highway, he said, I am the highway. I'm the only way. And so he said, it's a narrow path. Well, if you've lived on the earth, that's pretty narrow to hear others say, there's only one way. There's only one way. Jesus said there's only one way. I am that highway. And anybody who will veer off onto that highway, he will come to life. He will get eternal life. And he said, but he said, if you don't get off that highway or the people that we know don't get off the highway, he said, both highways have a destination. He said one highway 
leads to destruction forever. The Bible calls it eternal torment. God doesn't want anybody going there. But he said the narrow path leads to life eternal. And that eternal life path, the only way through it is, Jesus said, I'm the doorway. There's no other doorway. In other words, the way to pass onto that highway is to get on it through going through Jesus. And here in this verse right here in Romans 10 is really the doorway onto that highway. And like I said, every believer should be equipped with these truths to help as many people in the day and age we live get off the main highway onto the small highway. It's a narrow highway. People will argue with you. They'll say, oh, well, there's a lot of ways. But just because people argue doesn't mean it's the truth that sets free. And if Jesus is the door, we're a door. And people need to know we're a door. And we need to guide them through our life to the main door. Jesus. And when he talks here, like I said, this is step four. It is the way off that broad path to get on the narrow path that leads to life eternal. To existence forever with God. And here's the thing. When you talk like this, you have to realize God's stance. He said, Jesus said this when he was on the earth. He said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He said, the world is already in trouble. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through me would have life, or we would say it would get onto the highway of life, that narrow path. And notice, here's how you do it. And once you're on that highway, you're not going to be kicked back onto the other one. Are you with me? Notice this. Romans 10, 9 and 10 is the... Number four, which we didn't look at all the other ones, but on the Roman road. Romans 9, or the 10th chapter, 9th verse and 10th verse. It says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you get off the one highway, you get onto this other highway. This should be... You know, the biggest thing for a believer to share with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Notice verse 10. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, or right standing with God. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now I'm going to close with this. How can I do this in my life if I've never done this? How can I get into this highway of life? If God didn't send his son to condemn somebody, but that through him they would experience life, and this life is a life of purpose, joy, contentment, and it is a life with God, he said there are two qualifiers. One, you have to believe Jesus died and rose again. You have to believe that. And you know what I found? Most people do believe that. Most people, even if they haven't been in church, uh, have heard that somewhere, 
even if it was in a negative connotation, they've had some religious idea has gotten over to them. They've heard Jesus died and rose again. But he said the, the simple part about this is once you believe it, all you have to do is receive him. Now, it's kind of like when you go to get married. You know, one person says, I do. The other says, I do. And there is a commitment. This is not, you know, uh, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, uh, you'll be saved. Like, you know, if you hit your hand with a hammer and you're like, oh, Jesus. You, we shouldn't rejoice and go, woo, you just got saved. No, you have to believe in your heart. And then when you say, Jesus, be my Lord, he will come and live in you. It is the greatest miracle that has ever happened. It is the biggest thing for humanity.